what an incredible time and, and space to be here and to be together and to celebrate this weekend together. And so if you're with us, you know, uh, this is a special day because of the significance of it and how it relates to our church and where we've come from. In fact, Lori and I have been going through some photos that have uh, been in a box in an attic and we've been going through those, cleaning out a lot of photos, but we came across a stack of photos of the beginning of our church. And it's incredible whenever we can go back, look at what God has done, celebrate that and be inspired uh, by, by some of that. And one of those photos that, that, that comes uh, to the surface is our very first Sunday when we met 20 years ago. Look at the hairdos, look at all that. Go ahead and chuckle and laugh, make fun of us. Uh, the, the great thing about finding all these photos is I got lots of blackmail material on a lot of people. The problem is, is I'm in half of those photos and that's blackmail material on me. So those are being destroyed even as we speak. Uh, but no, it's, it's, it's great to be here as a church. And from the get-go as a church, we have had 14 families on our very first, or 14 people on our very first Sunday gathered together in a room on Nita Road in Rogers and pray, just pray. We weren't committing at that point whether or not God called them to Grace Point, but just pray. If God would call you to be a part of our church, one week later, two of those families didn't show back up. So we had church subtraction in the very first week uh, of, 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 of coming together as a church. But it has been our passion from the get-go. It's been a statement, and I can give you the origin of that, but I'll save the history for another day. But it has been our stated vision that we would be a church for those who had given up on the church but haven't given up on God. So many people have had good, bad, and ugly experiences with church. Maybe they, again, I can give a a thousand different examples, but most of Americans have had some experience, some connection to some kind of church at some point in their life. And many, many people have walked away from the church. Now, at the same time, they didn't walk away from God. Inside of their heart of hearts, they're still feeling like there is a God. I may not know all of him. I may not even know whether I need to call him Buddha or or call him Jesus, but they believe that there is a God out there. And so that's the person that 20 years ago, we said, we want to connect with that person and help them get connected back, not just to church, but get connected to God. And really, if we could get anything, and you take all this 66 books and all the content of this, if we could boil it down to the irreducible minimum, what would it be? This is going to be our mission, and it is the great commandment, and it is the great commission. If we do everything else wrong, but we do those two things right, then I'll be okay. And I really think God will be okay with us being okay with that because those two things are absolutely knowing how, what it means to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving our neighbor as ourselves. Those are the great, the great commandments. And then the great commission to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what we're called to do as a church. And if we can get those two things right, forget everything else, or at least be okay with everything else, but those two things absolutely, absolutely feed into what we value and what we aspire to be and what it has been about from the beginning. Our values are that we want to help people across Northwest Arkansas, across the world, help people know God, help people love people. That's really hard sometimes in this world to love people and to help people live sent. 
That it's not just that we're ending all here. And we think that really those values are all tied back to the great commandment and the great commission. And we, if we can be about that, if we can get that down and get that down straight, then we are about what God's about. Because listen, the church is not our idea. It's not our invention. We didn't come up with this. Humankind did not come up with this. It was Jesus who said, took a first century Greek word used in common vernacular, and he made it what it is today. And when he said to his disciples, I will build my church. It was Jesus who said that. It was Jesus's plan. It's Jesus' design. It's Jesus's church. I don't, I may have been a part of the founding of this church, but I'm not the founder of this church. Jesus is the founder of this church. And that is where we are. We stake our claim on that. I will build my church. But then you notice in the very next phrase, in the very next verse, he will say this, but I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. It is a partnership. God is about a partnership here. He says, I'm going to build my church, but I'm going to build my church, but I'm going to give you the keys to my kingdom. That's a pretty incredible partnership right there, that God's going to do his work, but in his work, he's actually going to bring us in on it. He's going to call us in to be a part of that. That has tremendous implications, tremendous amounts of of responsibility, tremendous amounts of honor, that God would be the head of the church, that we would be the stewards of the church. That we would actually be the, the, the ones who help manage what God's doing in the movement that he's really starting. When you whole, listen to the whole phrase of, I will build my church, that has just a, a movement mentality about it. When he tells us to go to all the nations, that has such a movement mentality about it. See, God in, in, in designed his church to be a movement So therefore, we need a movement mentality. We need a movement uh, mindset. And we need to be thinking and moving with God. So many churches, and I pastored them. I've been a part of them. They become more or less museums. They They become mausoleums. They become machines. They become like a machine. They're a well-oiled machine. They can function. In fact, some churches can function so well, the Holy Spirit could get up and move out of that church and they would continue to function week over week. And that's a sad thing because we can subconsciously actually do church without God. And yet he's the one who's building his church. And so, man, I, I didn't want to ever us to become so self-sufficient, so got it all figured out, so finely tuned that we become a machine. That is not a, at all what, what I think God desires. I think God wants us to be a movement. In fact, Erwin McManus in his great book, An Unstoppable Force, he said it like this. In the first century church was founded on the adventurous journeys of men like Paul and Barnabas. Let's get on those shoulders. Let's get on their backs. Let's follow up and let's continue to live the Barnabas-Paul kind of lifestyle. It was never intended to be a place of safety from the rapidly changing world. The church should be the greatest revolution ever initiated on this planet. Now, I have to say, there's a lot of churches, I don't think, as being greatest revolutionaries. When you become a machine, it's all about keeping the machine going. It's all about keeping everything, all the squeaky parts from not squeaking. When you become a museum, what happens when you become a museum? Museum is one of those places that you look backward and your greatest days are behind you. 
You're looking back at everything that God did back here and you're seeing nothing about what God wants to do into the future. That's a scary reality. I mean, it's awesome to say, hey, God did this, but it's really scary to think, I don't know what God's going to do next. Nor is we going to, or we don't really let him. And what's even worse than a museum? It's even worse than a machine is a mausoleum. It's when rigor mortis begins to set in. The church just exists to exist, and then one day it will die, and they'll just close the doors. Do you realize this year, read this this past week, there were more churches to close their doors forever during COVID than were churches started. So when I say mausoleum, I mean mausoleum. That is not what God wants us to be. And whenever you look, and for one example of Grace Point, when we look back at 20 and we look forward to the next 20, I want you to say, just looking forward one year, we are not taking the mindset of a museum. We're not taking the mindset of a machine. We're not taking the mindset of a mausoleum. We are taking the mindset of we want to be a movement and move forward. This past year, we scrapped everybody's budget. You know, coming out of COVID, that was kind of weird, awkward. We don't know what we're going to have. We don't know what we're going to do. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But we're going to come out, and we have felt since coming out of COVID, even before coming out of COVID, the winds of the spirit kind of in ourselves. We kind of been moving forward. Okay. Okay. And so what we did is we took everyone's budget spreadsheets this year. This is back in February. We told them, listen, we want you to go aside, get with God, get what your vision is for your ministry. Listen to the God, let that inform your budget, write goals, write, let that inform your budget and let's present it. And so we let them do that with a blank slate. That's a scary thing. To give people a blank slate and then say, go get with God and listen to God. Because for me, a, a budget presentation, faith move is one or 2%, maybe a percent and a half. And man, you're really charting a new course for God. The budget that was presented back was 7.1%. I thought, well, okay, Andrew's now kind of over that seat. I said, Andrew, have fun with this uh, because uh, I'll be there to support you. Uh, and I'm going to let you go take this to the trustees. You know what the trustees did? They said, we like it. We want to see big things from God. We believe God's got the best days ahead of us and that we don't, I'm thinking, I don't remember, I'm the founding pastor here, I cannot remember in the last 10 years at least that we've ever presented a budget of 7% increase over year over year, especially coming out of a pandemic. But our trustees got around it and they got on board with it and we're presenting a budget today that is 7.1% and it's, it's, it's driven me to my knees, it's driven me to a lot of thoughts and prayers and I'm all behind it but it's because I'm not willing to become a museum, a mausoleum. I don't even want to be a machine. I want God to do greater things in the days ahead. Take your Bibles, open the book of Joshua. Yes, clap for that. That's, uh, that's worthy. Take your Bibles, open the book of Joshua. Open the book of Joshua. We've been in Abraham. We've been in Genesis now since the first of the year. If you've been with us, journeying us, and we're going to continue. We're going to start this fall back with Joseph. So literally 50 chapters. There's 52 weeks in a year. It averages out. So we're going to be there for the entire year. Pray for me in a few weeks. I'll be getting away on my study time, and I'm fearful of where God may be leading us next. So pray that clarity will be a part of that, of that conversation with God. So uh, if you remember back in Abraham, we've been in Abraham now, friend of God, for several weeks. We'll finish that series up next Sunday. But in, in, in the series, 906 years is where this is time, if you timeline this out. 
from Genesis 12 to Joshua chapter 1, 906 years from the time that Abraham was called to the time that Joshua is standing at the shores of Jordan River about to cross over. So it's been 906 years since that promise was made. And what happens in this passage is pretty incredible, pretty daunting, pretty overwhelming, much like what we're venturing in as a church. Look at chapter 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Stop right there. It's real easy to skip over that. After the death of Moses? Moses is the prophet man. I mean, you go, Abraham, yeah, he's the father. Right next to him is Mo. I mean, we're talking top-notch prophet. We're talking a guy to this day would be one of the top three or four prophets of all of Hebrew history. And yet, what does he do? He's the one who leads the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. He's the one who leads them across the Red Sea. He's the one who led them into the wilderness. He's the one who struck the rock and water came out. He's the one who prayed for manna and manna came down. He's the one who prayed for, for, for meat because they got tired of being a vegetarian. And, and, and ravens started falling from the sky. This is that guy. And he's dead. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant. I mean, he already knows this. He says it twice, though. He gives him the obituary. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan and you and all the people into the land that I'm I'm giving to them. He promised that 906 years ago. Finally, it's becoming a reality. Again, we don't operate on God's time. He operates in the fullness of time. We talked about that several weeks ago. I have given to you just as I promised to Moses, just as he promised to Joseph, just as he promised to Jacob, just as he promised to Isaac, just as he promised to Abraham. He is now promised and he is making this become a reality. But but can you imagine the, the fear, the trepidation, the anxiety that was going on in Joshua? I've got to step into the sandals of Moses? I've got to lead the people? I mean, Moses didn't even lead the people of Israel into the promised land. What an incredible journey. But before, before we can go forward, I challenge us that we've got to go backward. He challenges them. He says, arise, go over this Jordan. The swollen banks of the Jordan River arise and go over this Jordan. We're going to need to look back before we move forward. Okay? And that is very fundamental to this whole passage. I think it's very fundamental to all of good, uh, the good of life. And when I talk about going backward before going forward, it's going to be, we're going to see that we're need to, we need to remember and honor the past. Okay? We don't live in the past, but we do remember the past. But that prepares us so that we can consecrate, fancy word, churchy word, hang on to that, and anticipate the future. Consecrate literally just means in layman's terms, it means to prepare your heart, soul, mind, your spirit. Prepare yourself. Get ready. I'm going to do something. All right. So what we do is we've got to remember and honor the past, but we're going to move into the future. Again, don't get hung up here. Museums are here. Let's move here. But we can't. Go here until we remember what God has done there. And that's what we have in chapter, chapter 4. So skip over to chapter 4. Literally, their, their, their toes are, 
are up on the water shore and they're walking across and they get this instruction from God in chapter 4, verses 1. It says, and when all the nations had finished passing over the Jordan, so now they're on the other side of the Jordan. The Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people in each tribe and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out in the midst of the Jordan in the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. So this is the first night. They haven't even laid their heads down. They're going what? They're going back to the water's edge. They're going back into the seabed or into the water's uh, sandy soils. They're picking out rocks. And what are they going to do? Then Joshua called the 12 men of the people of Israel and whom he had appointed and a man from each tribe. And Joshua said, pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God in the midst of the Jordan and take each of you a stone upon your shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you. Okay, good. I like signs and wonders. Here's a sign. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, and when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So those stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. I want you to take some stones and I want you to put them at the campsite. I want you to stack them up and I want you to remember them. And then I want, listen to this, I want future generations to remember. Now, I think if you really want to know the personality of our God, he's kind of a sentimental God because he's wanting us to remember things. But that's good because he remembers things. In Genesis chapter 9, he remembers his covenant. That's always a good thing. When God makes a promise, he remembers his promises. He remembered Rachel in, in Genesis chapter 30. So if God is calling us to remember, then we should remember. In fact, if you even read in the New Testament where we talk about the Lord's Supper and communion, or as he tells us, he says, do this in remembrance of me. So not only does God in his character remember, but he calls us to remember. So mark it down. Get some stones. Put them out there. Here's what it says in First Chronicles chapter 16. Let this be your memory verse for the week. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. I love that last song that we just sang. We just need to come back and slow down some time to time. And we need to reflect, get out some paper, get out some pens, get out some rocks. And start writing on these rocks. What the, the, God, you did this and you did this and you did this. And start stacking them up and start measuring. So that whenever those hard days come, whenever the pain is too great and we can't handle it anymore, that we can come back, oh yeah, God, you did this and you did that and you did this and you did that. As a church, I stack up some rocks today. And I want to stack up some rocks and I'm going to remember the great things that God has done. The great things over the past 20 years that that I've been able to see and you've been able to see, but I, since I'm up here talking and since I've been here for the whole 20 years, let me tell you what I've seen. Because I've seen God help us know, help people know God, love people and live sin. It took us some time this past week, but we, 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 we went and we counted up every single person that's been baptized at Grace Point in the past 20 years. 847 
lives changed, declaring their life in Jesus. You know, you can get lost in numbers. It could be 8,000. It could be 80. We can't remember past 40 names, typically they say. 847? Is it just a number? No, every one of those numbers means somebody. It's somebody's child. It's somebody's daughter. It's somebody's son. It's some adult who'd walked away from and never walked with God and come by. It's just, it's, it, there's every one of them is a story that if we could sit down and listen to the God story on the other side. In fact, this is Lori and I was going through that box of photos last night. There's one baptism. There's another baptism. There's another baptism. Every single one. You, I couldn't look at one. In fact, it was literally, we, we said we're tired. Because we were looking at them and remembering. We were looking at them and feeling fatigue, not exhaustion from pain, but just the emotional memories of each and every one of those little God stories. I wish that today I could have Don and Sarah Williams here. And some of y'all know them and some of y'all never know them. And you never will know them because Sarah's gone to be with Jesus. She died of liver cancer a number of years ago. And, uh, but incredible story. Don and Sarah come to Grace Point Church when we're at Reagan Elementary School, our, really our kind of our, maybe our second or third location. We had like eight different locations in the first five years. So it was, the hardest part of finding Grace Point was coming to Grace Point, was finding where we were going to be at. Um, so as, as they come to Reagan and they come and they tell me this afterwards that they, they came, their marriage was, was broken and about to go for divorce. And they said, Hey, there's a new church that started down there at Reagan elementary school. Let's go try it. Maybe they can help us. And so they came and they had been out of church for years and if they'd even been in church again, one of those, one of those people that I was describing in the beginning of the message. And, and it's just beautiful though to see that they stayed that Sunday and they came back another Sunday and God began to work on them. And pretty soon Sarah gave her life to Christ and Sarah was baptized and Lori was with her for the very first time when she prayed out loud. You remember that first time you prayed out loud? It's like, I'm talking to God. She was talking to God. She goes further and further in her face. She does an experiencing God Bible study. She, she just keeps going in. She, she takes on different ministry roles and volunteers. And then all of a sudden she goes on this international trip and God just captures her heart. And she becomes our very first, Sarah Williams becomes our very first global leadership partner leader in our church among the, among the bomber people of Mali. She, I can't tell you the number of times that she went. She literally was a supplier in the supplier community. She worked it out with her boss that she could work remotely. This is before COVID. She worked remotely, and that's definitely remote. Uh, and she goes over there, moves over there, lives over there for months, works for her vendor job at Nike's and is a missionary during the day. We end up for 10 years going back and forth. Half of the time that we've existed as a church, 10 years going back and forth to Mali. We have relationships with people in Mali. In fact, this morning, Caleb Gabrelli told me he's already had a conversation with somebody in Mali because we continue to build those relationships and see God at work. See, we, we, we go to do work, but an incredible thing happens when we go to do work, God does work in us. It's a bill of goods that I, we sell people. Oh, you're going to go do this good work, but then you all realize that God does a work in you like he did in Sarah. And one of Sarah's first apprentices was 
was a young lady who went on her first global adventure to Zambia. Her second global adventure was to Brazil. And then she was recruited by Sarah to go to, to, to Mali. And so here's Aubrey Barton. And she goes and she goes and she goes. I don't know how many times we go. By the way, we sent 36 teams. We commissioned over 200 people on those teams in 10 years to Mali. And just a number of people going there. Aubrey, it literally will shape her trajectory in her life. She senses God's call. She becomes a nurse. She's now using still to this day her nursing as a platform to go to the nation's. She goes there for a summer missionary volunteer job. She goes there and lives for two years, all because she began to open her life up to what God could do. And because what happened in Sarah, because what happened in the church, God just begins to continue to work. That's going globally. But God works when we work, it's when we serve locally as well. And I hope you'll always keep the nations out there. I hope you'll never say no to the nations because God is in the nations. He's working there. You can going to join him or not. But he's also working right here at home. There was a young couple came in when we were just in that first building over there. Young couple comes in, have two young boys. They come in, Caleb and Amanda Gabrelli, and they start volunteering in the student ministry. They start giving of their time. And Caleb told me yesterday in a text, he said, I couldn't get enough. I was serving in the, in the student ministry and I couldn't get enough. I want to be more around the people. I want to be more around the students. I want to be more around the pastors. And all of a sudden he got sucked in. God got a hold of him. And 11 years now, he's been a pastor on our, on our team. Started out as a finished carpenter, just coming to a church with his family. And all of a sudden he opens himself up and God opens himself up to Caleb. God does incredible things. Through us. Again, I want to tell you this the secret sauce of Grace Point and what has really made the difference yes, God first and foremost, second is our people and what God has done in our people. So, here, let me tell you about this other young lady. This other young lady has served in the children's ministry, listen to this, in the four year olds, listen to this, without having any children in any of the ministries. So she wasn't like, well, I got to go do my time. My kids are taking time. So I got to go do my time. It was, I'm ready to serve and hasn't stopped for 20 years. Vicki Thomas, come up here and stand by me, girl. Give Vicki a round of applause. This young lady for 20 years has been serving nonstop. When we were portable at Reagan Elementary School, she was helping to set it up and break it down. She has taught some of your kids that have now gone on to college because she has taught that long. Thank you, Vicki, for serving so faithfully for Thank so you, long. Thank you, Mike. I have to tell you that the most beautiful blessing is knowing that these children, as they grow older, they'll come running up to me and hug me. And I, that's the biggest blessing I could ever, ever get. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. In reflection and preparing for this message, I was thinking, God, why? 20 years? 20 years. And I landed on two, 
two reasons why I really think it's not been our craftiness, it's not been our innovation, it's not been me, it's not been anybody else. Two, two things that I point to is what's made Grace Point go for 20 years and I, gets me excited about the next 20 is one, the favor of God. That's all it is. In the favor of God, I'm talking about grace of God, just choosing to look at Grace Point and go, you know what? I'm going to bless this people. That's the first one. But the second one has been our people. People who will give generously, sacrificially, who will serve whenever there's no reason to serve and you have every excuse not to serve. That's what's made the difference at Grace Point. Number two, so hey, we're going to remember and honor the past, but we're going to consecrate and anticipate the future. It is not just living in the past and dwelling on the past. It's learning from the past and growing from the past and being inspired from the past. But it is looking to the future. What is God going to do and where is he going to work? Uh, Howard Hendricks was one of my favorite professors in seminary. Um, wrote a book when he was uh, 74 years of age on creativity. He's a man who did not stop being creative. And we went into his grave. I took his last seminar as in my doctoral program. I took my last seminar in his last class, the last class that he ever taught. And he wrote a book on creativity when he was 74. He said this, most human organizations that fall short of their goals do so not because of stupidity or faulty beliefs, but because of internal decay and regenification. They grow stiff in the joints. They get in a rut and they go to seed. I don't want to be the church that our brightest days are behind us. I want to be the church that our best days are in front of us. That we will look back and we will remember and we will honor this, but we will move into the future. Look look at chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. It says, And Joshua rose in the early morning. And set out to Shittim, and they came to the Jordan. And the people of Israel lodged there before they passed over. And on the three days after the officers went through the camp, making sure everyone was ready, commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant, that's God's representation of God. As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant, your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place. And follow it. Don't go ahead of God. Don't lag behind God. Days behind God. When God moves, you start moving. Verse 4, he talks about how far the distance between 2,000 cubic feet because he is God and we are man. He is holy and we are not. So there's a holy buffer between us there. But notice the last statement in verse 4. Why? For you have not passed this way before. You've never been here. I've never been in the next 20 years. I've only been in the last 20 years. I've not been where we're going to be tomorrow. Canacuck staff is sitting here. They're going to love on our kids. Welcome them to Grace Point Church next week. They're going to love on them. Pour into them. I don't know those kids and which ones are going to receive Christ. Our students are going to camp this week. So we got camp all over the place and we need to pray for them as they go to camp. I don't know who God's going to call and what God's going to do in their life. I don't know about tomorrow. I've not been to tomorrow. So if I've not been there, what am I supposed to do when I go there? The next verse tells you what you do. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. God's going to do something incredible 
You won't be able to explain it. I won't be able to explain it. Hopefully not. And when I look out there and I see, when I see how, or when I saw how God helped us to know God, love people, live sin, uh, and I look forward to how God might help us into the future, I pray that we never stop helping people know God, love people, and live sin. That when it comes to knowing God, that we will continually show and share Jesus in everyday conversation with everyday people. And that's more than the last statement we make in the service. That is literally the mantra of my life that I get up, I put on my clothes, I put on my shoes, I get dressed, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. And as a church, we're going to just, we're just going to have that as our mindset that we're going to be a church that's going to show everyday people, uh, show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. It's just going to be what we're, and then what we're going to do around the world. We're going to do that around the world. And even during COVID, we're not going to let COVID stop us. Even though we can't get on a plane, we're still going to make sure the gospel gets there. If you remember, if you were here at Christmas time, we took up an offering. You gave an offering. Many of you sacrificed greatly that we'd be able to translate the book of Genesis to the little horse people in, in Asia. I'll, I'll just say it's in Asia because it's in a closed country where it's incredibly locked down. But they don't have a Bible. They don't have a church. They don't have a missionary. But what if they had a Bible and it dropped in their lap? What if they had a, a book of Genesis and they could read in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I hold in my hands today the very first chapter of Genesis written in the little horse people. Thank you, Grace Point Church. If you gave to our offering this year, there's out in the gallery area, there's some baskets and you can take one of these home. But this is not just a memorial for you to hang on the wall. This is a part of a movement reminder that we're about getting this message in this scroll to the nations. Because we know people need to know God. They also need to love people. And that's hard sometimes, right? Loving people. Well, listen, we got, again, the secret sauce has been our people. The secret sauce moving forward will be our people. We've got some incredible deacons that are going to walk beside me, walk beside our other pastors, walk beside us into the future. I want to introduce them to you, and you'll have a chance to be a part of the voting process, as, as, uh, as Taylor explained. But Justin Ferguson, Michael Palladino, Rob Horton, and these, these men were asking to serve, and we're asking Rob to kind of finish out somebody else's term that they moved off to North Carolina. Shame on them. Uh, but, uh, but we're asking that you can prayerfully consider them. If you're a member of Grace Point Church, and you can be sure. And, uh, and support them. Let me say this. They've gone through a grueling, uh, intensive interviewing process uh, that, uh, that we ask them questions like, uh, are you, how much are you here? And how much are you willing to serve? And where are you willing to go? What are your limitations with God? And, and are, 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 are you willing to sacrifice, sacrificially give? Are you going to be part of a community? Uh, really intensely kind of, are you ready for this? All of these have said yes. I want to introduce you to a couple of new trustees. The trustees oversee our financial side of our church. Randy Roebuck has been one of our godfathers of the trustees. He's a, he's a solid guy. Been with us, works for uh, Raymond James and helps us to think big picture whenever we're making our financial decisions as a church. Carly Rosencrantz, an awesome young lady who's starting a business in Rwanda and also works in Walmart world. So it's incredible to have her to come on to, to that team. And so you can get a picture of where we're at, where we've gone over the past year. I want to have Annie Walker 
Walker and uh, Andrew, who's kind of been our CFO, if you will, for the past uh, year, year and a half, uh, kind of share with you kind of where we have been and where we are going. Listen to this. Hey, what's up, Grace Point? My name is Andrew Brown. I'm the connection and digital engagement pastor here at Grace Point. But the reason why I'm here today is because I also kind of moonlight as the guy on staff who kind of has oversight over the finances, which means I get to hang out with a lot of cool people, like some that we're going to be voting on today, our trustees. And today, I'm joined by one of my favorite trustees. Sorry, other trustees. But this is my friend, Annie Walker. Annie, welcome. So glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Annie, tell me a little bit, you know, as we kind of get going, maybe introduce the people to yourself a little bit. Tell us about your family. How long have you guys been at Grace Point? You know, that kind of stuff. Sure. We have been, uh, my husband and I have been at Grace Point for about 14 years now. So we started a while back. Um, and we actually in this room, Andrew got married. Whoa. So we were, I've been told the second couple at Grace Point in this facility when Grace Point originally moved in. So my husband, Jacob works, um, at Cake, I guess on staff, supporting from a tech perspective. And um, we've got two kids, and I work for Walmart as a senior vice president in the apparel division. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to hang out with me. And we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about what's been going on in the kind of finances of the church over the last year, and then what we're kind of thinking as we roll into next year. So let's let's jump right in. 2020 into 2021 has been... um, it's been a little bit of an interesting year. Crazy. You know, but, but at the same time, we've seen God move in some, some kind of cool ways. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the financial resources of the church, but it also has to do with what's actually happening because you as a church give so generously. So can you maybe tell us a little bit about the last year, what that's been like? Yeah. I think, you know, initially when COVID kind of set in, I think I know I technically shouldn't use the word fear. I shouldn't fear, but we initially didn't know what would happen. We honestly didn't know, you know, what church attendance would be like, what giving would be like, mm-hmm. but we also knew that we had to be really good stewards of what God has given us and have faith on where the church was headed and um, what would happen just with communities in general. And we also knew we needed to step up as a, yeah. as a church and be there for community. Mm-hmm. And so I can tell you that it has been amazing to watch how faithful this congregation has been Absolutely. and how continuously just generous the people of the congregation are. And so amazingly, we could have had a totally different story here mm-hmm. today, but we have such a God story to tell you guys in that we have been able to not just accomplish what we've accomplished from a budget perspective, but we've paid an additional $150,000 against debt principal, um, and that is for the new building that we have. And so we've not only made the principal payments, but we've gone above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Other things that we've done as a congregation, you think back to Holiday and um, with the little horse people and doing a translation of Genesis. So we're walking through Genesis right now. We've been able to provide a translation of Genesis for the little horse people, which is amazing. And that was a $50,000 gift. Um, we've been able to p- partner with Prospectability. We've been able to relaunch GP Kids. And I mean, what a blessing Emily Lusk has been mm-hmm. to this church and community. She is just going to do great things. And it's been great to have her come in. And then, you know, even within the, um, you know, call it new member experience, we relaunched it 
as first step experience and have been able to do great things within that. And that's been maxed out since February. Um, and I guess the last thing that I'd mention is Gary Thomas. So, you know, when you think about what's happening with marriages in our community today and through COVID, we, you know, knew that we needed to continue to invest there. And so through your generous giving, we were able to bring Gary Thomas in and have a great marriage conference weekend. Mm -hmm. And so I would just say that, Andrew, I've been just amazed at how much this church has been blessed through the past year. And it's just been great to see that just continue to um, not only impact this church, but watch this church and what impact we've been able to have on the community. So let's let's uh, let's kind of pivot into into the coming year, the budget that we're about to vote on today. Uh, you know, through COVID, we've faced a lot of uncertainty. Uh, but because of the generosity of our church, we finished in, we finished the year in a position that, that is really like, we're really excited about what that allows us to do as we lean into the next season of Grace Point Church. Uh, and so, so this year, our, our pastoral team in, uh, in conjunction with the trustees, we have proposed a budget for the coming year that of $2.73 million, which is a 7.1% increase over last year. And it's, it's because we believe that God wants to do some big things here through the church. So Annie, could you maybe, uh, could you maybe talk a little bit about, um, a little bit about what some of the things are that you kind of see in the coming year that you're excited about and, and excited to see happen because of the generosity of our church? Yeah. So because the generosity continues and we continue to see attendance growing and um, the health of the church incredibly strong, we are, you know, proposing this budget. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are things, you know, whether the church staff likes it or not, we go line by line and look at everything and mm -hmm. try to understand, okay, is this needed? You know, is this, you know, a part of what we think um, this ministry, where we need to head? And I would just say there's a few things that stand out. One is the need to continue to invest in kids' ministry. So, you know, as kids, you know, re-engage um, on a more social basis, we need to be a great church for um, where kids come. Then you think about the digital presence. And certainly things are changing in terms of how the church engages with the community. And we fully believe in in the church being the church and, and gathering here within the building but we also need to make sure that our digital presence is strong and we're engaging the people that at times can't be here physically. Um, and so some of that is an investment in that. Um, and then you think about, um, you know, how you invest a church budget. And we try to be very intentful on looking at outreach and making sure that a certain percentage of the church budget is invested in external, mm -hmm. in the community, in giving back, in missions. And so, you know, God willing, we hope we can engage globally. Yeah. So this church, that's one thing that we've always been so good at is engaging globally. And we've stayed connected globally, mm -hmm. but we haven't gone physically. And I, we believe over the next year that we will be able to, you know, start doing that. And so that's a part of the budget, um, as well as, you know, in the local outreach, like I said, it's, you know, so Soaring Wings in Conway and the work that the team has been doing down there and Community Baptist Church in Noel, Missouri, or Missouri, and then for the Love Northwest Arkansas food truck. And so it doesn't stop there. There's a lot of areas that we can engage locally um, to continue to bless the community and, you know, do life alongside with our community. And so um, those are just a few areas where we've kind of made additional investments in. You know, it's, it's so cool. One of, one of the very first things. So we meet 
all throughout the month of May to go through this budget as tr- with the trustees. And one of the things that was said, maybe the very first week was all about, hey, let's get down to it because this is how we help our community and help our world know God, love people, and love sin. So we're, we're really excited about what God is going to do in the coming year and are excited to be a part of that with all of you. Uh, in just a couple minutes, uh, in just a couple minutes, we'll be voting together as a church on proposed deacons, proposed trustees, and the proposed budget. So we'll have more information about those things coming to you in just a minute. Annie, thanks for being here. Y'all have a great Sunday morning. Live sent. All right. You know, it's, you hear, you hear that and you, I hope that if you're here today, you think, what did I just walk into? You walked into looking underneath the hood of a church and how and where we're functioning and where we're moving and where our heart is. I hope you hear that as much as you hear reports and dollars and figures and nickels and noses. I hope that you hear the heart behind every single person. And so here's what we'll do. And, and this is again, how you can do it. You can text in GPC, uh, uh, 20 to nine, seven, triple zero. And you can vote anytime between now and one o'clock. If you're 16 years or older and a covenant member of Grace Point Church, that means you've gone through our first step experience or our, our, our membership class and, uh, sign that covenant. So that's kind of that part, but in conclusion today, And thinking through the message yesterday, I thought, you know, we're finishing up Abraham next week. And I come to Hebrews chapter 11. We've been in Hebrews chapter 11 to some degree since the first of the year. We've talked about Cain and Abel. And Abel's one of the heroes of the faith. We've talked about Enoch. Enoch walked with God and he was no more. We talked about Noah. We talked about Abraham. Talk about some great heroes of the faith, the people who have shaped the history of Christendom, the very very history of who we are to this very day. But that's Hebrews 11. You go to Hebrews 12, and he's talking to the present. He's talking to the people in that moment, in that day. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... These people that have gone before us, the Abels and the Enochs and the, and the Noahs and the, and the, and the Vicky Thomases and the Caleb Gabrellis and the Sarah Williams, because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, how does that, what's supposed to do to us? Let us collectively, community, as a church, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely to us and let us run. Let us lace up. Let us get in the race with endurance, the race that is set before us. So we're not just talking about remembering it all in the past. We're talking about consecrating, getting the sin that is clung, clung to us, getting rid of that, getting into the race and sweating with the generation that was before us and the generation that is ahead. So here's where I want you to answer this question. Are you here and moving here or are you just here? If God is calling you into the future with us, please consecrate yourself and anticipate the future. Get into the race and run the race that is set before us. 